0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Welcome to the MBN Entrepreneurship and Leadership Channel. As well as new content, we are making available selected podcasts recorded by our hosts prior to joining the MBN family. This is one of them, and so this podcast may refer to itself with a different name and identity. Enjoy the show the center of innovation is here. And you know, this is part of the message of Project Kashmir, of this whole podcast, that there's something happening here which is beyond just good value for money. Like I said, having the vision is great, but the key is these concrete initiatives that drive it at the ground level. I think all those people who are really, they do extremely well with very limited resources and we can take advantage of the really low costs here. You know, Poland is the land of opportunity, and I I like to say the East is the new West, because you always used to go West in history to find more adventure and danger and prove yourself. There are some good things beginning to happen here in Krakow, but we've got a very long way to go. Good afternoon, Project Kashmir listener. This is an unusual podcast recorded at the TED Summit in Banff, Canada. I'm with... Philip Zimbardo, who needs very little introduction. He's a professor emeritus from Stanford University, but more importantly for our listeners, he devotes a significant amount of his time to a project in Poland, which will be the main subject of this interview. So without any further ado, I would like to invite Philip Zimbardo first to introduce himself and explain
0: his interest in Poland. Uh, Thank you. It's wonderful to be uh, here sharing ideas. my interest in Poland actually goes way back uh, because uh, my wife has had Polish uh, Mashlak, uh, Christina Mashlak zimbardo uh, She was the hero of my Stanford prison experiment. She was the one who forced me to realize that what I was doing was wrong in continuing the study when young men were suffering. Uh, but the, my uh, personal connection with Poland uh, is that Uh, The scientific publisher, PWN, has published all of my books for 20 or 30 years. My textbook, Psychology and Life, is the only book used in every... Uh, introductory psych course in, in colleges throughout Poland, which me and for 30 years, so which means that virtually all Polish psychologists grew up with Zimbardo, and since then I published seven or eight other books. Uh, every I do a book every other year, and PWN not only publishes them but they have me to come to promote them. Uh, so and I get to, I get to travel around mostly Warsaw, Wrocław and um, and uh, now Krakow. Uh, What I did was, 2008, I gave a talk here at the TED conference in Monterey. And the talk was on my personal journey from creating evil, parenthesis, in the Stanford Prison Experiment uh, to now trying to inspire heroism. Uh, The talk got a standing ovation. It's gone viral. uh, And um, it inspired me later, subsequently, I mean, it inspired me to create non-profit foundation that I call the Heroic Imagination Project. Its goal is to teach young people everywhere in the world how to be everyday heroes, how to be heroes in training who every day practice the daily deeds of heroism, being kind, being compassionate, helping others, taking action against injustice, being upstanders rather than passive bystanders. Our program really is, we call it, understanding human nature, your own and other people's. uh, And it, it Right now, it consists of six lessons in social psychology. We hope to add many more. Each lesson is in great detail, and and it's all built around provocative videos. So young people live in a visual world, and essentially what we do is The teacher now is not a teacher in the traditional sense. A teacher is almost like a coach, and students are like her athletic team. And her job is, or his job, is to bring each student up to the maximum uh, performance ability. Uh, So teachers uh, get a script. Uh, Let's say it's the bystander effect. Uh, they show a video that, that we have prepared, and again we ask them in every country not only to translate the text but to put subtitles or to get uh, better videos. They see a video of a woman lying on the steps of Liverpool Station in London, and nobody stops within in five minutes. P- question one, why didn't the people stop, what were they thinking, what were they doing? And now what happens is the students are organized in pairs, usually a boy and a girl, who discuss their reactions. And then the next question the teacher asks is, what would you do if you were in that situation? And 100% of the students in every country in the world say, I would help. Question three, what's the difference between being in a situation and looking in? The difference is something we call social norms. If you're in a situation and you look around and and people don't help somebody in distress, the social norm is do nothing. And that norm is, is impacted on many, many people, so you do nothing. Now we say, what happens if somebody takes action? And then we show what happened in real time, someone stopping to help this woman. And within six seconds, you see other people help. What is the message for every student? Be the one. Be the one who stands up and takes action. So this starts what we call the bystander lesson, transforming passive bystanders into active heroes. And then from there, it goes on to say, well, what is the bystander effect? Where did the idea come from? What is the research based on it? And then we get into what we call critical thinking. All of us have good intentions that should lead to good actions, but typically they don't. And the problem is, there's often obstacles. Obstacles are sometimes within us. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have the physical ability. We don't have the skills. Sometimes it's in the environment. It's too hard to to get to the person. Sometimes it's against a social situation. The norms don't help. Uh, So we analyze every situation as a series of good intentions and then a set of obstacles. And then we say every obstacle is a potential challenge or an opportunity for which you have to find a solution. And so this is how our lessons go. Uh, And the students discuss what's the obstacle, what happens if you perceive the situation is dangerous. Well, if you're you're going to be an everyday hero, you must do something. What is the wise thing to do? You call the police, you call the fire department, you call for help. So you never take an unwise, um, impulsive action. Uh, and so this is how that lesson goes. And again, the, as I said, there are videos um, throughout that highlight, make it interesting. Uh, and so this is one lesson. Another lesson is how do you transform uh, your own self and others who have fixed static mindset? I'm good at A. I'm not good at B. Women are good at C, not at D. Asian people are good at E, not at F. And so we, these are kind of self-imposed uh, biases when, in fact, everybody should develop what we call a growth dynamic mindset in which everything, all abilities and talents are improvable with practice and effort. And We give many examples of how uh, the key is living a life filled with risks, filled with challenges that you're willing to meet once you have this growth mindset. Another lesson is how do you transform prejudice and discrimination, which we have in every country around the world, into uh, understanding and acceptance? And we give... We give again. Everything is culturally relevant. So, so in Hungary, our our, our lesson is focused around Gypsies, or Roma people. In Poland, it could be around Jews or Ukrainians. In America, it's around uh, Afri- um, blacks or um, or um, Hispanics. Hispanics, typically. Uh, so we make it culturally relevant. Now, our lessons are have been designed mostly for high schools and colleges, and now. In Poland, there are several uh, people I'm working with who are translating, redesigning lessons so it'll be good for primary and, and even uh, se- uh, middle school gymnasium, gymnasium and, and primary schools. So, uh, our program in Poland, all of our six lessons have been translated by translators at uh, my publisher, PWN. And we have a foundation there, and it's run by a dear colleague of mine, uh, Professor Agnieszka Vilchenska, who's at Krakow Academy. Uh, and she has a small team. And what happens is we license our lessons to schools, to businesses. Our Lessons also work really well in corporations. And then uh, we have training. So for example, I go everywhere in the world to do the initial training of teachers or a group of trainers who then train other teachers. So our lesson now is in many, many major cities in Poland, mostly in the south, mostly Warsaw, Rzeszow, and Krakow. We hope now to move up to Poznan and uh, all, uh, and ultimately also to Donsk. So I'm doing so. This same program now is uh, incredibly successful, p- perhaps the most in the world throughout Hungary, and you know, and given the. Um, Um, I don't know what the word is, right-wing government, uh, Viktor Orban government in Hungary, uh, we tread a light path. So we make clear, we're not talking about military heroes, we're not talking about religious heroes, we're not talking about political heroes, we're talking about ordinary people in every city, young children who are doing the right thing to make their family work better, to make their school work better, to make their community work better, and typically we're getting away from the traditional notion of heroism as an inborn trait, that is, there are special kinds of people. And we're getting away from the notion of heroes as male warriors. And we have a whole history of Memnon, Achilles, samurai warriors. Anyone can be a hero. And especially the example I give in Poland is Irina Sendler, the, po- the, the hero of the Warsaw Ghetto, who organized 18 other women and one man, Catholics, into an, a hero squad that saved 2,500 children in one year, getting them out of the ghetto, because you needed an organization because you had to move the children from home to home and finally from Warsaw out to the country. We now know that 50 years later, uh, there are more than 25,000 Jewish people throughout the world who owe their life to this woman, who risked her life to do it. In fact, she was uh, spies turned her in, she was actually tortured uh, and uh, almost killed. Uh, and and so she was recently, I guess five years ago, identified by Yad Vashem in Israel as one of the righteous among the Gentiles. And, and, and so 40 years or more after the, she did this during the Warsaw Ghetto, I guess, 1943, 44, she, suddenly, she finally became a hero. So we use these examples for young people to say, anyone can be, and again, Irina Sender was a social worker, ordinary person, a young woman, who, who perceived that there was something wrong. that that the Jews that were put in the Warsaw ghetto by the Nazis, they were there to die. They had a, um, their their diet was 120 calories a day, a potato, maybe a piece of bread and something, and you couldn't live on that. So the idea of the Nazis, old people and children would die, and they would get rid of them, and whoever survived, they would then send to the slave labor camps. Uh, And so Irina Sendler understood this and developed this team to save them. Uh, so uh, this is one of the main things I'm doing. Uh, I go every year uh, throughout Poland. I, our program is, as I said, uh, biggest in Hungary. There we have what we call a Hero Square Foundation, and we're in a thousand schools throughout Hungary. Uh, uh, now um, my family background is Sicilian, so we have a program in Palermo. Uh, we have a program in Corleone, the godfather town. And in many, many other uh, uh, places throughout Europe, and now also in, in uh, Bali, the Green School in Bali, Indonesia, uh, in Geelong, Australia. And we hope to be in virtually every, every uh, city, uh, every city in every country uh, in Europe. The other thing I, I want to say about Poland mm-hmm. is um, um, there's a small city in southern Poland called Nikishowitz. Uh, I call it Nikis for short. It was the center of coal mining for hundreds of years for all of Poland. Uh, and the mines were deep, went hundreds of miles. And every man in this town, it was the center of the coal mining town, was a, a, almost every man was a coal miner. And every man's son aspired to be a coal miner's son. Everything was wonderful. In fact, the, the coal mining company created this beautiful uh, village of, of um, ha- homes with uh, three or four story high te- tenements with uh, uh, indoor quads of gardens that uh, the wives could sit outside and, and knit, crochet, uh, talk. Uh, and the buildings are still beautiful. They're all red brick. The windows are red and white, which is the national colors of Poland. And it's a beautiful town square. The problem is. Uh, uh, almost all the mines ex- exhausted all the coal a few years ago. That means every, every man in that town not only lost their I- money, they lost their identity. And what happened is many of them began to drink vodka. Many of them began to get drunk. Many of them, when they went home, began to abuse their wife. It was just unpleasant. So some social workers from this town came to see me. I had give, was giving a lecture at, at uh, so, uh, University of Silesia uh, and asked if I would come to see if I had any ideas about how to help people in this town. For me, the issue was, uh, if I was a teenager, would I want to go home after school to uh, this unpleasant environment? The answer is no. So I asked them, what do children do after school? And they said, we don't know. I said, I don't see them in the street. Where are they? We don't know. I said, there's your solution. Let's create an after-school teen program in the center of the city where teens will want to go between ending of school and dinner time where we teach them wonderful things they don't learn in school. We teach them video production. We teach them English. We teach them computer skills. We teach them art. We teach boys how to dance. And we insist that the girls bring boys so that it's a community. Uh, and that's what we've done. And I gave money. Uh, uh, IKEA gave a lot of furniture. I raised money from friends. And so our, our program is very vital. Uh, we uh, we have about thirty to fifty teens come every day. And now the teens also do projects for the town. Uh, there's a uh, there's a, uh, uh, a sale uh, crafts fair almost every, every weekend. And there's a big. Uh, 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 quarterly uh, city-wide fair, and so our teens now have play a, an important role in the life of the city. Our program, again, we have a non foundation with me, Agnieszka Viltenska and Waldemar Jean. Now, Waldemar really is the main director, him and his staff, and they were, the organization is Family Services, so they, ha, they, they do services in many other towns, but this is the only place that I know of at present in Poland uh, where there is such a youth center. Uh, I was honored because they call it Zimbardo Youth Center, Zik. so students go to, to, go to Zik, And I, I visit once or twice a year to be sure things are going well and see how I could help. At this point, uh, we are short of funds. Every nonprofit is, uh, and it's just basic funds because uh, we have to supply, um, you know, meals meals to students. We have to have. We have a beautiful physical place in the center of town. It's a two room, uh, two room building. Uh, we have a kitchen, uh, and we we. It's also a beautiful center. Uh, we sometimes rent it to companies that want to have. Um, Business meetings uh, and it's physically physically beautiful, but again, it's just the cost of upkeep. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're hoping to get you know some some um, um, moderate moderate amount of funding just to, just to keep our program going. Uh, and as I said, I'm I love Poland. I'm I'm proud. I'm proud to be uh, uh, connected with uh, Poland in all these ways through my books, through my writing, uh, through my lectures, uh, and uh, and hopefully I can get. Now the other thing is our heroic imagination project. uh, uh, We need. We also need funding in order to to do trainings all over Poland uh, to um, to train. uh, to train more teachers, uh, uh, to develop our program more fully for middle school and primary schools. So, again, uh, we, need, we need educators at those levels who say, I can take your lesson and, and make it appropriate for this other, other level.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for that detailed in- introduction. Of course, we'll post it in the show notes, but it's hip.org.pl, Centrum Zimbabwe, and you can see lots of information about the project on, on, on the on the website, uh, and there's Polish and English. And uh, coming back to what would obviously the the scope of the project is very wide? what would you regard as uh, successful outcome? Do you have like a, a moment when you say our work is done or is this building an institute? Do you want them to replicate there to be more in Zimbardo's in other yeah. towns in Poland if yeah. someone hears this and they're in a different city and they wanted say hey we want one in Krakow
0: or Warsaw yeah. or Poznań, what should uh, they do? Yes, yeah, so um, my mission life is grandiose so my work will never be done until uh, until, I can't do, until I can't do it anymore. So the interesting thing is uh, there, there was last year a, a um, Uh, an education meeting that the Minister of Education gave in Katowice. They opened a new center, and I I was uh, the guest speaker. And essentially, uh, the Minister of Education then said, we, we really need to replicate this after-school program in every city, especially in poor neighborhoods. Uh, and unfortunately, she lost out in the election, so I have to meet with the new Minister of Education. But apparently, uh, in America, for example, there's something called Boys Clubs and Girls Clubs. There's uh, YMCA and YWCA. So uh, clubs for children after school are common in every city. And my understanding is it's relatively rare in Poland. It's clear from the effect we've had in this little town, what students say, what parents say, it's, it's, it's a must. That is, people in every city should use, our, our program should be a model. Uh, and you're not talking about a lot of money, you're talking about small physical space. Now, we, we do have sublim. Our, our children get to go to the pool in the gymnasium uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, they give us a few hours a day. We arrange for, for trips to the, uh, to, to the mountains. And one of the, one of the uh, uh, volunteers uh, takes, takes them to uh, Sasnovich. Uh, but it, it's not as, all we need is a physical place where children want to go after school because they're going to be learning new things, learning social skills as well as academic skills.
1: Okay, because there there are what are called dom culture, the, the sort of culture houses dotted around. But I I, th- I think it's probably not to do live on air to discuss what the options are that, um, as listeners know, I've been living in Poland for twenty five years. And I, but the idea of bringing the, the idea of innovation and entrepreneurship is creating something where there was nothing. Before sharing good ideas and making progress, and clearly, clearly both in for many for life skills for ambition, the 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 goals of making everyone aware of the possibility they can be a hero is is something that can certainly transform. Transform any community or society for the for
0: the better, right? Yeah, and now also, for example, some of these high school kids will be graduating, so we want to have guests. So we have many uh, guest lecturers, guest curators. So we want business people to come in and tell them about what does it mean to be an entrepreneur. What kinds of skills should they be developing, which are typically not taught in any traditional school? In fact, if anything in Poland, one of the problems is. Uh, Many young people feel socially excluded. When I was there a few years ago, the Polish Ministry of Health said that as many as a million uh, Polish school children suffer from clinical depression. And I asked people why. They said, we don't know. I mean, it's just a, just a, a survey. Uh, and so this is something they feel excluded where? At home, in school, in their neighborhood, among friends. Uh, so our, one, of the, one of the virtues of our um, Zimbardo Centrum is that students have a place to feel included. That is, when they come, it's a friendly environment. There's not only other students, but all of the, um, all of the staff are there to make each kid feel welcome. They, we also have gaming. We teach them gaming, not only video games, but, but team games. Uh, and so it's a place where k- kids want to go. See, the problem with school, kids have to go. So what you want, you want a place where kids want to go. And not only they want to go, they want to come with their friends. They want to bring their friends. And that's, that's what you want to reproduce uh, throughout Poland.
1: Well, I, I, find, I find this very inspiring. It was a, it, for, for me, I, I was vaguely aware of... Professor Zimbardo's famous work uh, a long time ago, but ages I, uh, ago. Uh, ages ago, and I think I saw a poster that you were at uh, event. Perhaps I don't know. Was it? Was it even a TEDx event you spoke at in? Oh Port? yeah, I did. We did oh, a TEDx okay. uh, in oh. Katowice. Was it in? Katowice? Yeah,
0: I forget the name. Uh, Rubber Rab- uh, Rab- River. Rubber River. Rubber River. Yes. Rab-River. Yeah. yes so, so, I did a TEDx
1: event last um, year. There the tends to be a convention that uh, uh, people don't repeat their TEDxes, but we might. If next time you're back in Poland, we might organize something. So that sure. listeners, uh, I don't know do, you know, do you yet know when you're next going to be in Poland?
0: No, I'm not clear. I mean, again, I work it out with, with all the staff when they're and going of, to be school training. But I will definitely be there
1: during the year next year I, and we'll, we'll be in touch. And we'll certainly invite you to Kazimierz in Krakow and no. possibly do a salon event or a discussion. And if, if listeners who are listening to this are interested in trying to do something... Both with the with this project, with the children's university, with the school in the cloud, with Khan Academy, Popol School, there's a revolution going on in education where a lot of people are fully aware of the fact that it's not that things ought to change, things must change, right. because it's not just the, the, the way education works has moved on from being a question of acquiring knowledge to prepare you for working in factories right. and offices yep. to being in a situation where that type of work is automated and we have to develop more uh, self-motivation, more leadership skills so that people uh, figure out how to use their lives to the best. And I I don't think that I have any further questions from the TED Summit here. It's an unusual place to be recording a project right. as broadcast, <laughs> but, do, but do you have any Final message to uh, an audience who will be primarily entrepreneurs and people interested in high technology. Any, any, yeah. any,
0: any final message? Well, see, again, what, one of the important things is <clears throat> even the best of education. Uh, all the Khan Academy, all these online courses. <clears throat> typically, what they're missing is the social part of of education. <clears throat> knowledge is not simply to make you smart to get a good job. Knowledge is uh, working, learning how to work in a team, learning how to value teamwork, learning how to cooperate rather than compete. I just came back from China and one of the most terrible things, every young Chinese person said, I'm not, it's, not good, it's not good enough to be good. You have to be the best. Our parents impose on us the value of competing to be number one. And so that means you don't have friends. Everybody wants to be number one in, in a world where there are, I mean, Millions and millions of young kids you're competing with, and they don't, there's nothing about the importance of collaborative learning, of teamwork. And what you learn at when you go in any corporation. Uh, the important thing is you never work alone. It's always you're in a project, you're always in a team. This is actually one of the things I've always argued is wrong about university PhD, which make which has young people work alone on a project and almost never in your life in business do you do a project alone. It's always part of a team. So at our youth center and in, in, in Nikki Ushobits, we teach teamwork. We teach the pleasure of working with others on a common project. Yes, well, that's fantastic.
1: Now, to end on, uh, there's uh, increasing interest in new forms of tertiary education. There's a Olin's University in the United States which has a a strong sense of project-based learning in our program to reform reform, uh, the way tertiary education works in Poland. Teamwork and working together. And I completely uh, accept and understand the need for uh, social learning. Indeed, the TED-Ed Club brings children together in after-school clubs. So I think there are a number of things going on. Hopefully, perhaps through the Project Kazimierz, we can bring these ideas together. And anyone listening to this who's interested in trying to do something about the situation to make things better in Poland or indeed in any other country is welcome to get in touch with me and I can forward them on to Professor Zimbardo who, as I can see, is going to keep working till the day he dies. Right. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Project Kashmir, brought to you by me, your host, Richard Lucas. If you enjoyed listening, check out additional podcasts on our webpage, projectkashmir.com or on iTunes where well, you can also subscribe so you never miss an episode and also leave us a five-star review if you feel like it. We welcome feedback and suggestions of new interviewees, whether it's comments on projectcashmere.com or via our page on Facebook. This podcast was produced by Adam Zuber with audio editing by Juan Wally. Thank you again for listening.
0: You know, vision is all great and well, but execution is actually the key. The actual process of meeting those people, working with them, is in itself a huge
1: reward. Interaction between the university and the business high-tech community is absolutely fundamental. Diversity creates a healthy ecosystem. And I think that I'm seeing more and more of that diversity. It's not just about individuals, but it's about new individuals. It's about you know um, new initiatives. Sometimes they overlap with each other. Sometimes they might be cannibalizing each other. But the reality is that you want to have as many as possible because that accelerates the big picture. We're not going to have everyone in the world here. And in this connected world, we don't need everyone here. But, but the, the, you know, the artists and the designers, the creatives, they're very much part of what we what we've got and what we need. So if you're listening again somewhere else in the world and you feel you are looking for a place where your, your your creative juices will run, then 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 this city is certainly a place where you can find yourself. And I think you can make history in Poland. I think you can be part of something much bigger than you could be a part of in the United States right now, not just from a You know, going out to San Francisco to make Silicon Valley richer, but but making a new part of the world um, grow at a much faster rate, be a much bigger part of that community and and making it wealthy, not just for wealth's sake, but for uh, a purpose, which is to make that country's government stronger.